Welcome to Shanahan on Literacy, the site where we believe there is nothing nobler than to teach somebody to read. My name is Tim Shanahan, and I'm happy to be your host today. Uh, we're going to explore site vocabulary, a very basic issue in the teaching of reading. Uh, I received a, a teacher who wrote this to me. Our local school district still teaches sight words. I know that people mean various things when they call words sight words, words that kids don't have the phonics principles for yet, words that are high frequency, words that are not decodable. I also understand that brain research says memorizing whole words is a poor practice, and I know that sight words is a term that is being phased out in order to communicate that 80% of words are decodable and emphasizing helping kids flexibly solve words using the parts that do follow predictable phonics rules. Will you please weigh in? And I weigh in, I will. My first response to this teacher was this. I know of no brain research that shows memorizing words to be a bad practice. In fact, we don't know what information is stored in the brain about words. Do we, are we putting rules in our head? Are we putting, uh, patterns, visual patterns of words? Are we, are, are, maybe we're somehow uh, storing the images of words themselves. So it's possible that memorizing some words could be beneficial to the overall reading process. You know, perhaps, uh, actually learning some specific words would be, would be helpful. There, there certainly is research that shows sight word instruction contributes positively to fluency and, and, and reading comprehension. And it isn't clear, uh, what role words themselves play in the development of orthographic mapping, only that they may play some role. When it comes to site vocabulary definitions, I'm in the camp that reserves that label to words the students can recognize seemingly instantaneously. Curricular or instructional intentions play no role in the matter. If a student recognizes a word immediately on site, then it's a sight word, no matter how or why that word was learned. Think of a sight word as being something akin to your best friend's name. I'm not especially gifted when it comes to learning names, but I can tell you that my wife Cindy would make life a bit unpleasant around here if I hesitated on her name. Sight words are like your best friend's names. They're words that you know immediately with no hesitation. Reading programs may fuzz this definition up a bit, of course. They, they rather hopefully label words that they designate for direct instruction as sight words, as if the instructional success were a certainty already accomplished. Uh, wanting to teach a word doesn't make it a sight word. As, as you point out, these programs may focus on high-frequency words or words that aren't easily decoded or words that they simply want to use in their stories and, and want to make sure the boys and girls have those words. Those can all be good reasons for trying to teach some words, but whether those words will become sight vocabulary has more to do with how they are taught or how much time is spent on them than on what kind of words they are. Naive observation, behavioral research, and brain study concur that sight vocabulary is an issue of memory. However, that shared insight leads to very different conclusions about teaching and learning. Historically, the recognition that young readers benefit from knowing words was translated into graded word lists, flashcards, word drills, special instructional texts with specific word repetition routines. 
Psychologists expended much effort trying to determine how many times a student had to see a word before it entered the sight vocabulary universe. Rote repetition was imagined to be the most efficacious approach to learning words in those days. More recent study proposes more nuanced conclusions about what it takes to, and I'm going to put this in, in air quotes, to memorize a word. We, we can, of course, memorize individual words through brute force, paired associate repetition. Rote learning, right? The issue isn't whether one can learn words that way. Of course we can. But whether it's efficient enough for readers to master, say, 40,000 sight words, or whether it describes how readers gain the ability to read most words. Anyone who's carefully monitored young children's progress in learning to read notices a seemingly magical transformation. Initially, say early in first grade, learning words seems to be mainly about rote memorization. But for those boys and girls who become readers, new sight words seem to accumulate almost effortlessly by the end of the year. Something changes during that school year. Students are doing more than remembering more words. They, they seem to be learning, well, how to learn words. When children are learning to read, they're learning how to remember words, how to organize them in memory, how to recognize them without decoding or perhaps with minimum uh, of, of decodable effort. Linnea Airy has best described this memory development process and how kids go through it. But if that is the case, and there are many good reasons to think that it is, then it makes sense to try to get words into memory through analysis rather than memorization alone. Memorization often focuses on trivial features, you know, uh, uh, the first letter in the word or the shape of the word. that actually might help facilitate recall of a word among a small set of words. You know, if the teacher's teaching me four words and only one of them begins with a W, I'm probably going to be able to remember that, you know, that word is when or what. So it does help, but... It does little to help organize these words into the word-reading spelling system that has to develop if kids are going to become successful readers. There is some evidence that memorized words are stored in memory differently than words that are learned through analysis. But this appears to be an immediate effect, only uh, as word memorization and analysis interact over time and learning to read, uh, that whole thing that how that plays out over say that that first school year is a much more fluid and flexible process than that one brain study would lead you to believe i think it makes sense to have students master some words early on and including high frequency words and those with exceptional spelling patterns but such word instruction should focus attention on what it is that makes each of these words unique their sequence of letters this is not outlandish, even with a language like English that has such complex spelling patterns. I've long called for first grade teachers to make sure kids can read the 100 most frequent words and for second grade teachers to do the same with the first 300 words. How could focusing on sound symbol relations facilitate the learning of these kinds of words? Well, my own decodability analysis of those 100 most frequent words from the Fry list conclude that 55 of those words were entirely decodable. 
<laughs> that is, all the orthographic features of these words match the most common pronunciations for those letter combinations. Words like and, or, had, but, we, she, up, and will can easily be learned through beginning decoding instruction alone. Another 42 of these words at least partially meet this criterion. Words like the, their, you, were, and his have elements that make them exceptional. That E in the is a kind of funky, uh, as is the O-U in you. <laughs> or even the S in his is a little strange. But those words also include conventional elements, too. There, there's nothing unusual about the T-H in the, the Y in you, or the H-I in his. Those follow phonetic patterns that are common to our spelling system. My advice on attempts to teach sight vocabulary is 1. Provide beginning readers with a substantial decoding program that shows students how to use letters and spelling patterns for reading words. Lene Airy has described very clearly how decoding instruction or phonics instruction is really about teaching kids sight vocabularies, helping them to develop a sight vocabulary. So <laughs> the first line of, 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 of success when it comes to building sight vocabulary is teach decoding and teach it systematically and teach it well. Two, when you are teaching spelling patterns, make sure that those high frequency words are included in the instruction where relevant. In other words, if you're teaching the consonant digraph TH, and that's a very reasonable thing to teach boys and girls, then words like them, these, the, and there should be included in the examples or in the instructional items that you use. Now, I know in a lot of cases, uh, programs only want to use words that are, you know, fully consistent, that their, their phonics patterns are, are entirely common. But the fact is kids have to learn to respond to these words like them and these and the, and it makes great sense for them to be grouping them with other words that have those th sounds in them. Three. Providing a small amount of direct instruction and some key words that you want students to master is very reasonable. In other words, yeah, even teaching kids to memorize some of those words that you hope will be sight words makes sense. Now, <laughs> before this happens with some frequency, when, when you say something like that publicly, that it's okay to spend some time teaching kids to memorize some words, um, you know, some teachers go, great, that, that says I can go back to, to doing that mainly and, and, and not doing much decoding work. Uh, experience tells me that as little as five minutes a day is plenty of time for doing that kind of work. And, and what a lot of teachers do is, is they even get parents involved in that. So they don't even need, you know, five minutes a day of class time in, in that kind of work. But getting kids to build up a, a set of those words that you want them to master is very reasonable. Number four, words that you teach either directly, you know, through memorization or through their inclusion in your decoding program, those words should receive frequent repetition both in isolation and context. 
I want kids to learn those patterns, of course, but I also want them to learn those exemplars. I want them to know those particular words and, and to see those words as, as representatives of those exemplars. And so if we're going to use those words in, in our instruction, we've got to make sure that those are also the words that boys and girls are being asked to read in text. And that when we are doing practice things like having kids try to read words or read certain, uh, patterns uh, those words should be there. Uh, number five, monitor learning to be sure students have mastered those highest frequency words because of their potential impact on fluency and comprehension and the role that they may play in anchoring those decoding skills. You know, we're still not really sure what role those words play in that. So you got to make sure that kids have learned these words or are learning these words. And, and, and that really does mean making sure they're sight words that even if they're somehow using their decoding skills on it, are doing it so quickly and so easily and so automatically that, frankly, if they are sounding them out, if they are analyzing the, the, the letter patterns, you can't tell. Number six, and here's the final point. When teaching specific words, facilitate word learning by focusing student attention on the letter sequences, the spelling patterns, and the decodability features of the words. Such teaching has been found to reduce the numbers of repetitions needed to accomplish learning. And, and so it makes great sense uh, to, to focus kids' attention on it. Now, I know a lot of teachers, when they're teaching memorization, you know, I try to get kids just to do it through rote repetition. And I, I've certainly tried that, and it, it can work. You can get words into memory just through sheer repetition. But it makes so much more sense uh, to draw the kids' attention to that sequence of letters, to consistencies with uh, patterns that the kids already know and, and, and spellings of, of other words that they already know. I know when I was a first grade teacher, I would get kids to try to take a picture of of the word and, and then close their eyes and see if they could see it, if they could see each of the letters, if they could spell it, you know, with their eyes closed or with the, the word put away. And I wouldn't, you know, really have the kids move on until they could, again, air quotes, take such a photograph with their eyes. And so the straightforward answer to this teacher is it makes more sense than she thinks to teach sight vocabulary. Uh, but that's going to be both through your decoding and, yeah, possibly through some memorization. But that memorization will even uh, pull in certain aspects of, of your decoding program. And, yeah, we want to make sure kids know at least those those really high frequency words. Now, uh, if you would like to uh, get the 13 references that are included in this uh, paper, and they include everything from psychological studies and instructional studies, and yeah, even some of those brain studies that the uh, letter writer had asked about, uh, those are, are on the Shanahan on Literacy website in the, the blog entry uh, for November 11th, 2023. So if you'd like to read this or uh, give copies of this to your friends or just look up the references, uh, you can do that on Shanahan on Literacy. Uh, with that, I'm going to say uh, good day to you. I, I hope to see you all up the road. Uh, thanks to Greg Johnson, our sound engineer, uh, and I, I look forward to talking to you about reading education again sometime in the future. Thanks so much. <laughs>